Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sync Ratios. Episode 09. This is going to be Moments and Hearts Over Lie, also known as Both of You Dance Like You Want to Win. First broadcast was November 29th, 1995. Script is by Akio Satsukawa and Hideaki Anno. Director for this one is Seiji Mizushima. And, you know, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Ben Collins. And I am your other co-host, Luke Piotrowski. And we just watched the episode. Maybe you did too. I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about it. It's a fun one. It is a fun one. Yeah, this is... I saw a lot of you and me in here. Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily, but it's fun to think that. I mean, it's... You know, this is is one that's kind of like... Like it, we talk about the the episodes that that sort of seem like what people want the show to be, uh-huh. and this is definitely one of those where it's it's yeah they're having to work together. There's a there's a direct conflict and that you know solved within the episode, a unique you know threat, a unique yeah. It's a very mo- yeah. It's a monster of the week episode, but uh, one of the one of the really particularly fun ones because you get that choreograph you get the choreographed dance at the end. Mm-hmm. Of the, of the two but it's of all and it's it's all coming from a place of character and you know the characters you know being at odds and then learning to work together and and you know it's yeah i think this is another like on the last episode we talked about like uh, this is another one of the episodes that i think that you know you get a lot from this in like trailers and stuff of like the action and them working together yeah that's that's what i was getting at yeah i didn't want to say too much about it but when you were talking about that in the mm-hmm. last episode i was definitely thinking of this episode and all the flipping and kicking and yeah. screaming and stuff that they do at the end definitely um this is in some ways thinking about like there was that the the duology of ray episodes a little bit earlier mm-hmm. where we had ray beyond her heart and then the decisive battle yeah yeah this is kind of a mirroring this, that yeah this is the asuka one whereas the last episode we get introduced to asuka and then we get a little bit deeper into her relationship with shinji in this one which, yeah, and, um, and everybody else's relationship with, a sort of pervy relationship with her. There's a lot of, like, uh, objectification. She's the new girl. She's the cute girl. She's, you know, everyone's afraid of her, but they're all, like, attracted to her. And, you know, she's... She's got all these love letters. These love letters. All these, like, she's the foreigner, too, because she's half German and half Japanese. Mm-hmm. So she's exotic because she has, like, the red hair and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I pointed out early on this, that we get another prominent shot of Asuka stepping on something. Yeah. So I think this is a recurring theme of... Um, well, and it makes me, and you know, again, we need to make a list of everything that I start to talk about and say I'll look up later and bring up for later thing, because it did make me wonder about, you know, the this sort of fetishization of giantism and... Uh, <laughs> In like in like 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 if you guys are familiar with crush porn and like like I don't I don't know if they're just it's two distinctly different things like the giant giantism in porn and uh-huh. then crushing porn it makes me wonder if that doesn't originate in I think we've had you and I have had this conversation before like does did Godzilla movies and stuff basically invent that as a fetish the same way right. that you, you and I have the personal belief that a combination of the Disney Robin Hood movie and Sonic the Hedgehog created furries as a yeah. thing. This is that is my theory, yes. And I 100% believe it. I think that I mean there's a lot there but those are those are the two of the most prominent things and I do wonder if kaiju movies um there is definitely an Ultraman episode where Fuji, who is the very attractive um, sole female member of the Science Patrol, is giant for some oh, reason really? and possessed. So they, where they they're using the sets and they just have a beautiful actress running around smashing buildings. Well, because that would have been that would have predated the was it is it the Daryl Hannah movie Attack of the Fifty Thousand Foot Woman or whatever. Well, that's a, yeah, that, that's a, an older movie, right? That was remade with Daryl Hannah in the. In the uh, 90s? I'm actually not 80s? sure. It was one of those ones that used to just like play a on TV. one or something. It was probably like a black and white one that was... So yeah, it would be cu- it would be curious. And I do you know the guy who wrote Gaunt's? The Gaunt's manga has a new manga. I, they might still be going called Gigant. And oh, is pa- this the one you were reading that you sent me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. P- part of it is that there is a... I think she's an adult film actress that gets this like size-changing belt. And so there's a lot of like where she does porn where she's just giant. And... Uh, I mean, if, if you, if you that imagine was real. The, the guy from Gaunt's who, yeah. uh, you know, if you can imagine him doing a story that involved a giant woman, you can imagine oh, the God. places yeah. where that might go. Yeah, I need to read that. Um, but no, I'll, I'll remind myself to, to look up the 
when did to did do some research on women crush stepping fetish? on things yeah. oh. and giant women stepping on things when did that become popular you do a and deep dive into that world tonight yeah you know maybe i mean why not <laughs> but yeah no so so yeah i mean oscar's definitely like uh, something of an object of you know she's an objectification which, target here to, and, to jump ahead a little bit i think is interesting because I, I talked about this in the ray episode of where they are actively our our male characters are actively trying to objectify ray by the swimming pool mm-hmm. and then they stumble upon they start talking about how she's always alone and like once they start seeing his real person, it's like it stops being fun. And so we have this, you know, the the, the male students objectifying Asuka or, you know, looking at her a certain way. And then ultimately, you know, Asuka's going to move in with Shinji and Misato. And we're going to have this moment towards the end of the episode where she's been berating and bullying Shinji this whole time. And there's been like a lot of, you know, some innuendo and some some stuff that, uh, not rom com stuff, but like... Uh, you know, th- close enough. It's like Cutting Edge or something. Yeah, you well, Cutting well, Edge. <laughs> I do remember the written by edge. Tony Gilroy. Wow, okay. was his first produced credit. That's the ice skating mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, the yeah. hockey player and the ice skater. Yeah, I've seen the movie forever, but I loved it. As a but Asuka is like the hockey player, I guess here. Yeah, but but you have this sort of yeah fraught sexual tension going on in the episode, but it all it culminates in this moment when Shinji's listening to his headset and his mm-hmm. tracks twenty five twenty six, yeah. his favorite ones. When Asuka comes in, you know, uses the bathroom, then just comes in and like lays down beside him. And but before she that, she sleepwalks. Like, yeah, in, yeah. In, in. She makes a big deal about how we're gonna sleep in separate rooms, and this is the wall of Jericho, and you're not supposed mm-hmm. to come through. And like, don't look at me, don't make it a big show of that. And then like sleepwalks and like lays down beside him, and Shinji has this freak out moment. <laughs> it's reverse on his thing, so it actually goes to track one which you've never seen it anywhere no. with 25 and 26 it, but he like, has it in 13 all the way back to one. it regresses all the way back mm-hmm. to one maybe there's something <laughs> there but as he's looking at her and he's like freaking out like here she is you do this big overhead shot um that's going to be like bookend this little sequence of or she's like right next to him he's like staring sort of at her chest and her like bare legs are like sprawled out next to him and their faces are like right next to each other mm-hmm. and he's her sweating mouth, yeah. and He's going to kiss her, and he's about to. And then in her sleep, she starts crying and says "Mama" mm-hmm. a couple times. And again, there's that thing of like, okay, I'm a 14 year old boy. Here's a 14 year old girl. I want to sort of objectify, or I'm having these feelings. I want to focus on them. And then all of a sudden, her humanity like hits him in the face, and this like the like the worst thing anybody could possibly do if you're trying to objectify them is start crying and say "mama." Yeah. Like, like all of a sudden, whoa! And that's like that's Shinji's reaction too, because then it just cuts to the same shot above, mm-hmm. and Shinji's like off the the bed, off the mat, way over on the other side of the room, like facing away from her as far away as he could possibly get, because it like it just got too real. Well, you, it, that it, moment when you're you know what I mean, like when you're watching porn or the. Uh, you know, going to the strip club and it's like, oh yeah, this person is somebody's daughter. This person is somebody's mother. This person is a person and not mm-hmm. it, it, like can sometimes shock you, especially when you're, when you're young and you're sort of trying to. Well, and I think, I think in this case too, it's, it's, you know, it's highlighting that some of the notions of, you know, that the, the, they are at a, you know, they're adolescents, they're at a pivotal age between childhood and adulthood. And we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the sort of, it's just taken as a given that the pilots have to be 14 years old because that we're just, they're just not going to explain that. But like, that's, <laughs> that's part of the concept of the show. If there was, you know, if you were going to try and like pitch this as a log line thing, the idea that they are teenagers is specific to the thing. And so that a lot of the stuff does deal with the fact that, you know, they're still kind of half children, half adults, and they're being asked why... to do adult things while they're also still children. But it also is reinforcing a lot of the Freudian, st- Freudian stuff that we've already mentioned. In that, it, I think that like for everybody watching the show or anything is that like you know your your inner child and like you know the sort of connecting mm-hmm. with that part of yourself is a thing and stuff. So like everybody has like wounds from their childhood or like things that they've you know learned behaviors and stuff. And I you know I I think it's both talking about the adolescent quality, but also just the human quality of childhood and what that does to you and I, we, we don't know much about asuka yet like she she obviously whispers about her mom mm-hmm. in that moment and I think they're going to explain more of what her relationship to her mom is like and obviously everyone in this show has parental issues yeah the, the, that's a really important thing in the show so like yeah it's just interesting it's yeah a good, it's a great scene one of the you know i mean there's a lot of great shit in this episode but it's also um oh the idea that 
it's because they're 14. It's like they're not fully formed mentally yet, which would make sense why they'd be able to synchronize with the yeah. Evangelions. And, you know, they're syncing with another entity. If you have too much of a, of a self-identity, if you're too, like, strong, you wouldn't be able to sync. So it makes sense that you need somebody when they're still sort of in this not fully formed state. They're still malleable on an intellectual and, you know, soul level to merge with something else like this which is which is a fun it's sort of like the hedgehog's dilemma type of like paradoxical thing of like oh well you take somebody with a less formed sense of self and then you that way they're able to to do this thing that would be incredibly taxing and difficult and complicated for anybody else but by taking someone who has a less formed sense of self you're also dealing with you know an unstable person in some ways and that it's like oh yeah. you know like that's that's the, the the central sort of paradoxical difficulty of what they're doing is sort of fundamental in that because like if masada could just do this herself mm-hmm. she would be you know th- theoretically better at it than any of them but she can't right well fucking gendo <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly just, why isn't gendo doing this himself but it's also like you know with soldiers too you know the soldiers historically have been young people you know mm-hmm. young men being sent out to do these things and you know it is you know people that are sort of very emotionally vulnerable that yeah. are being put through this stuff and you know the toll it takes on them which is you know child soldiers this is sort of what is going yeah, on be, here, i would be but. curious if i would be curious what anno's like uh connection to like zero pilots or something like that in mm-hmm. World War Two. Like I don't, I don't know enough yeah. about what culturally in Japan the sort of post-war, like you know, because we we know all about it. like PTSD. Basically, was it? I mean, PTSD as a thing, I think we discovered from soldiers. I think is where PTSD comes from, and like right. I think like like there's our like you know in America post-war PTSD. I mean, like like a movie like The Master is just entirely about that, and and we we had a whole generation of people that came back with PTSD, and we weren't prepared. We didn't know what that was, or we didn't know how to deal with it, or people were, didn't want to talk about it, and that's just a lot of like the mm-hmm. inherited psychological problems of of uh, our country come from the fallout of that and I, I can only imagine that in japan i mean everybody talks about the bomb but i i, I wonder how much of the, that sort of sold the soldier aspect because yeah. they, they don't have and the military cultural identity now. yeah like they stopped having a military after that and so it's like i wonder what the sort of you know how many you know vets did they have around and like to what degree was that an impact on ano's life like, yeah i mean even in reading this the the manga that um, it's called insufficient direction by the way i can't believe it got translated into into english by uh yeah that's crazy vertical but yeah yeah i just got it on amazon but they, it, the back has it's just full of rep- i'm very curious what you're gonna think of it because it's very inside baseball like it sure. is definitely about otaku culture in japan so like there's so many references that there's this whole huge section of the bag that just talks about different uh all the different pop culture references but one of them is a show about um i have to look up which one it was but it's a show about somebody who was supposed to be a kamikaze pilot and mm. didn't end up doing it and is back in civilian life and doing something else i think that's just an incidental part of the plot but it just makes you think about the idea of like yeah there were people that were prepared to be kamikaze yeah, exactly, pilots yeah. that ended up not doing that and what what does life look like once you were going to yeah there's not a lot kill yourself for the emperor and now there's just not it's weird when you like i I, the first time i'd made that connection or even thought about it because that's the kind of like like that whole concept is something you sort of learn about in like fifth grade when you're you know like in history Uh class the idea of kamikazes and it's like so crazy and it's such it becomes like sort of part of jokes and stuff when you're a kid but like the idea i haven't really seen a lot of media or or you know like um art artistic representations of what that was like in Japan at the time yeah. and what that mentality and experience like I mean obviously because it was well a lot I'm sure of them. I'm sure Clint Eastwood will do a movie yeah, Clint Eastwood will do a really uh I mean I never saw that he's the Japanese I, I did actually I, I remember being all right but yeah. um anyway before we leave that scene behind and because I, I do want to get to the fun stuff that's like kind of the this scene with Asuka coming to him in the night uh is sort of the one of the, of the other part of Evangelion, you know, like the, the, mm-hmm. the darker part there. But I do want to call it out as an interesting, again, parallel to the Ray scene when he goes to Ray's house and he's in Ray's space. And it, this is like, you know, the lights are dim and there's this very awkward moment that's laced with sexual tension between him and Ray that we talked about at length. And now we have in Shinji's space, Asuka has invaded his space 
and again they're sort of forced into this mm-hmm. situation and i think that those two scenes are very interesting to look at together and it's sort of interesting to look at you know who has the power even in in those scenes mm-hmm. of that you know shinji again is this is his space that she has come into and he's the one that kind of relents and and runs away um yeah know. not surprising <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no, this, but but the but the by and large, this episode. I mean, there's all of this. Uh, we we referenced it at the end of the last episode. I didn't realize it was coming up so quickly. But yeah. yeah, it's it's all about them having to learn to be in in do sort of coordinated movements. So they they're living together. It's a very sitcommy sort of plot where like okay, they're gonna have to live together, do everything together, listen to this music, learn this dance. So they're brushing their teeth together and they're eating together. Like they're they're doing everything. They're dressing, wearing the same clothes, and it's. You know, it's very fun and the funny. same very feminine clothes again. Like, yeah. there, there's the weird sort of the feminization of Shinji throughout a lot of his interactions with Asuka, but certainly in these two episodes where he's forced to wear clothes that are embarrassing. I think Kensuke even comments upon it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can't keep doing this. Yeah. Toji is wearing something different too, though. Yeah, he's wearing a school uniform the, for some reason. I don't think we've ever seen him in a school. We've only ever seen him in the tracksuit, yeah. right? As now he's dressed like like kensuke and shinji which is yeah i don't yeah. really know although in one of the shots it looks like it's still him like it's a wide shot where it yeah. looks like he's still wearing the tracksuit i don't it really looks, know yeah it looks like it's we talked about that like the the random animation mistakes that sometimes you can spot and things mm-hmm. but, but yeah so it's like a lot but, of a lot well, of they funny have to do this and, because of the angel like yeah. the angel comes out and it's just a single angel this is i believe this yeah is, i was gonna say what's the name of this one is rafael i believe and uh, that he's one thing, and then Asuka's able to just like be badass and jump in there and take him out, but then it splits into two, and they kind of realize the only way to do it is a synchronized destruction of, the, yeah. of both cores on it simultaneously, so that they have so to. It's a very like, it's, it's like. Uh, it's it, kind of contrived. I don't really understand how doing this dance in the Avas is going to. Like, how do they know exactly what the angels are going to do in response to them? And so that, no, I was thinking that all these that flips too. and catches, like, it doesn't. But. Uh, but it's still awesome, and it's still like so much fun that you just. Well, it's it like it's, it's it's you get like your. I just realized the reference I was looking for was Silver Linings Playbook. It's kind <laughs> of like Silver Linings Playbook when they're they're learning the dance and stuff, and it's uh-huh. just yeah, it's just it's it's. I mean, it does seem totally contrived. I mean, I don't I don't really. I mean, I guess it's not shocking to me to think that they're. If if you're trying to imagine the angels as like, not that they evolve, but you know that 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 their their appearance and their abilities would have some sort of like biological survival mechanism thing. It's not surprising to me that one of them would sort of, like like a like a uh, invertebrate, you know, that you could cut and it. You oh know. yeah, no, that that makes total sense to me. Just the idea that somehow this plan of playing dance dance revolution mm-hmm. is going to make them able to in the moment synchronize with this music and kick the chords at the same time yeah but, but you get that i mean that sequence is so much fun when they play the music and they're doing the flips and particularly when it gets to the end and it does the um da, 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 and it cuts oh my god everybody so in their good. headquarters including fiutsky <laughs> yeah who's finally kind of showing some personality because he's a bit like the like like chief of police in this episode he's a bit he the, like you know the you know yelling at them and like you kids better not embarrass us too. you know this department's an embarrassment like you know but with like a sort of like a put upon like high school teacher yeah. quality too like because he's he's not like scary like gendo or like mean like joey uh joey pants in the bad boys movies or something mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's just um uh, you know hanging his head he's like yeah. you know at the end of the episode just like oh my goodness well, you get that. I mean, that bit, and I remembered it right before the shot came up. But like after their first battle, when she cuts it in half, and they realize that the thing, it cuts to this sequence of like them sort of being debriefed and sort of dressed down <laughs> by Fuxi, where he's telling them how much they fucked up, and, and Shinji and Oscar are having to like sort of do a post mortem on the thing. And it's these shots of both Ava Unit One and Unit Two, yeah, upside down with their legs poking up out of like Shinji's is the unit one's in the ocean and unit two yeah. is like in a crater somewhere. It made me think of Return of the Jedi when C three PO and R two D two are sticking out of the sand after the It made bars. me think of Zorak from um <laughs> What was the what Space was, Ghost? Yeah, but what was or, the specific uh, cartoon planet? Yeah, yeah. Like whenever, because you really, they would just like sometimes cut back to him, and he and would just be upside, upside down, down with his legs like that. And their legs look like that to me, but I mean, I'm sure it is a Star Wars reference it's, for sure. But it's hilarious. It looks really funny. It's a and, great cut too, because like you know, Oscar cuts the guy in half. It, it is Israel. I check the name oh, and yes. uh, th- like 
they attack and then it just cuts to them with this slideshow and you don't get to see how it happened but you just see the aftermath of them well, it's like i think it cuts to the to like the light from the projector yeah which is a really cool cut this is another like it's another great image that you because you don't know what it is at first because you're like oh like what you know like you think she won and then it grows back and you're like oh shit what happens now and then it cuts to this abstract like circle of light and then cutting to the thing and you're like oh that's a it's just really funny i don't know <laughs> So that's the plan. I mean, in, ter- in terms of plot stuff, the whole idea is that there's this angel. They have to, these these two characters that are have all this friction have to learn to work together in order to defeat the angel. And the whole arc is about them living together. So Asuka moves in with Misato and Shinji. They have to do everything in sync. They so they have to learn the dance. They do this that dance dance revolution game. Like you said, they're they're brushing their teeth and doing everything in sync and and in the end they are able to achieve that but there's some other stuff i want to talk about we can come back to plot stuff if there's anything i missed but i just want to i want to just flag that like that that this is at at once like we said like a very classically action-oriented episode monster of the week it it, it is you know one of the most of that but that when you put it all in that perspective it's also like the most like a sitcom like i I, we talk about it and we're not going to talk about but like i I, i'm watching brooklyn 99 right now and like this could be the plot of an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, you could completely <laughs> just imagine, and in, in a number of shows where it's just like, oh, yeah, on this thing that, like, you know, it was like Jake and Terry have to, like, learn to do it <laughs> for some reason, and, and then so you see them move in together. Like, literally, you could just do this in a thing. And so it's funny that this is, like, so straightforward, you know, anime, mech show, Monster of the Week battle, and also completely, like, I'm assuming the Americans yeah, a lot invented of, that. A lot of workplace comedy, of, yeah. too, with Kaji. Like, shows up and he's putting the moves on Ritsuko, and Ritsuko's like, uh, You better stop because uh, this is a scary lady watching us. And they look up and <laughs> Misato's like snorting on the glass. Yeah, like, 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 like a fogging up the thing. <laughs> yeah. And there's that. Then, then the Misato and Kaji kissing in the elevator, yeah. which is like pretty hot. Like, that's the, 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 the animation in that scene is like. It's definitely some sexy stuff. It's definitely like there's some weird cons- consent issues. <laughs> like, uh, well, yeah. you know, your words are saying one thing, but your lips are saying another. But uh, yeah, her her like turning to him and then yeah, like, it's a know, good it, it's, spinning around. And... It's it's one of those cool moments that like we talk about so much about the way that the things animated, but the fact that like it cuts in on them in the elevator and they're mid kiss already in the elevator. Yeah. And like her work stuff is like sort of strewn on the ground and she picks it up when she goes to leave and everything. But that like you don't see the action of how they went from presumably standing in an elevator like as normal professionals <laughs> to this this kind of odd because he's like, like behind to. her and yeah. his, he's holding her 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 arm by the wrist and one, one hand and and she's sort of like almost straddling his knee. And you can kind of like I think it works like it, it looks like you can almost if you because they hold on the shot for long enough mm-hmm. that you can start to play it in your mind and go what did you know what did he do like what was the sort of maneuvering that gets it into this and it's just i don't know it's yeah. just cool it's just a it's, cool yeah, rather than having to both show it really into it it's steamy stuff but i mean you know who kaji is in this episode in particular he's gambit oh sure yeah <laughs> he kind of looks like gambit he too. has the ga- like stubbly pony- in the hair he's got yeah. this ponytail yeah He's definitely he's definitely the gambit, and then the the other th- weird cultural uh, reference that I have that I think about all the time with this, I always think about Lucy and Charlie Brown when I look at Asuka yeah, and Shinji. Yeah, I forgot. Wait, do they do a thing eventually, or is there like been some fan art? I can't remember if there's been a thing where they're animated so. as like the sort of like little. Oh, maybe. I feel like because it is but so much like that. Their relationship is so much so that. similar, and and I feel like if you were to do like a like a postmodern like look at peanuts like i think the lucy character would kind of have a lot of the same issues and that is a fantastic stuff. reference yeah. and i and now okay we added to the list of things that we need to look into how popular was peanuts in japan <laughs> was it yeah i don't know because because i could totally see that being a reference here because it is it's it's very yeah definitely interesting to think about um yeah you really nailed that that's really good i don't know that we've ever talked about that before i i I've, I've always yeah, I've always thought about it. So, and then I was I was trying to think like, what is that? Does that mean that Ray is Linus? But I don't, I don't think that exactly works. Uh, kind of, or Schroeder. I don't know. <laughs> Schroeder. Um, I I want to call out what we noticed in this episode. That this is something that I've never noticed before. You mentioned all the low angles for Asuka yeah. last time, but in addition to that, and and. and to go along with it she's she's usually standing on top of something yes almost in every scene does she find like a a, a platform a perch, of some yeah. kind she's on you know on a ledge while somebody's sitting or or you know she's standing, standing on, on the table. bench or something yeah, or on a table and it's like 
it's very funny. It's 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 it works for the scenes dynamically. It's just so awesome that she would find what's the highest point in yes. the room that I can get to, and put myself up on a literal pedestal and and address everybody. Well, it's almost like she. It's almost like high. she knows that the 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 quote unquote camera crew is like typically doing low angles, and she like. She's like, yeah, that's how it should be. In fact, I'll help you. And like, like that she's even like taking it a step further by making sure that she's always literally up high so that everybody sees her that way and it's even uh, an yeah. added effect. We didn't see Ray at all last episode. so we And we don't get a ton of Ray this time, but we do Mm-mm. get some choice you know, scenes with her her meeting Asuka and Asuka's offering of friendship. We should be friends. <laughs> and, and Ray's just why? like, why? Because it would be, I think she says it because it would be convenient. Yeah, right? yeah, it would be so convenient. I mean, we're going to do all this stuff together, so we should just be friends. And in that scene, you you were like, is that the scene where you said to me, you're like, oh, maybe I am kind of a Ray uh, as well. Yeah, I, I talked last time about, you know, obviously Shinji's the easiest avatar uh, for me, and I think for a lot of viewers of the show. And I certainly, there's probably more Kensuke in me than I'd ever like to admit. Uh, I, particularly in the episode when he's like, oh, I want somebody like Misato to order me around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but then then uh, in in this episode, yeah, that Ray's just trying to read a book. And like I think like Asuka's shadow gets on her book and she just yeah. like moves the book back yeah, into the yeah. light. Doesn't even look up. Like it doesn't. Sort of, yeah. Like, no, you, you, we need to socialize because this is a convenient thing. And then Ray should be like, well, if I'm ordered to, I will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I definitely find myself feeling like a Ray in some of those kind of situations and <laughs> trying to sit and read my book and having to socialize. No, for sure. Um, what else? What else do we got here? Uh, there's the, the, the whole Ritsuko, Kaji, Misato history. Yeah, that's fun. They sort of hint that like eight years ago, Kaji and Masato dated, and that they were all presumably like in they're college all college buddies. Yeah. yeah, they're all college friends, and we get some of the most of the Misato and Ritsuko relationship. We get Ritsuko's theme. We we, we should talk about the theme songs a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, we talked about the score. We haven't really highlighted the fact that. A lot of the characters have their own, th- and the themes are very different. You know, yeah, stylistically, it just sort of it goes all over the place because all over the place. Asuka's is sort of like a uh, like a hoedown kind of thing. There's like fiddles <laughs> and stuff in it. Yeah, Asuka has this real twangy. Yeah, it has this. I guess it's just you know because it's like West because she's the foreigner, mm-hmm. so she's which has got this real like cowboy. But it would make so much more sense if she was just if she was just American. Yeah, because wait, none of there's no American characters, right? I guess not. They make reference to there being like a nerve HQ and like oh, the stuff they... about the U.S. I mean, part of it is like you, you see on the aircraft carrier in the previous episode, a, a mix of ethnicities. Yes. And this is like intentional, like the idea that's like all the world's militaries and even the like the ships and the planes. It's a variety of military stuff from different countries, like cobbled together. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that nah, there's like a world military. So I think to some extent it's supposed to be that the, the borders have lessened yeah yeah yeah. um but just usually in 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 something like this if there was an american character it's usually pretty noticeable right like the way like the specificity of that and it's just sort of funny that it, you in some ways asuka plays better in my mind as if she was she supposed to be has american. an american she's attitude. not she doesn't no, I, I mean german people are are very um reserved typically i find i mean i don't like she doesn't act like a uh-huh. any German no, she does act, she acts like an american for sure yeah it's like i'm a, the best at this thing yeah you know, she's I, brash and bossing everybody around and it. stuff it's kind of weird i don't know yeah. like i don't know what that maybe they just thought that was too obvious or something like, i don't i don't know yeah but she does have this very yeah the cow cowboy theme um yeah it seems like she should have been like 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 from like wyoming or something like that and she's this sort of like you know, cowboy, cowgirl. It seems almost mm-hmm. like what they're, what they're implying. But yeah. mm-hmm. And then Ritsuko has this like very mellow, like piano theme that it feels sort of soap opera-y. There's like, there's... yeah, that's some of the stuff that sounds like, um, um, uh, Richie Sakamoto kind of piano-y stuff. Oh, does it? Yeah. It, it feels to me. like, like, I don't know. It just feels like mom music, like, like some sort of like adult, so, like you know, there's like sounds like a glass of wine mm-hmm. and like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this, like, well, that's the one that's playing when they're when they're like talking at that table. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, a little bit jazzy, like a little easy listening. But I mean, it is like the music from like. It's I don't know nice. I like it. If you've ever watched any like uh, Japanese like soap operas before, I haven't. 
I had I I I got I last time I was in Japan I I was in this hotel room, which usually I stay in Airbnbs and this hotel room had like a really nice TV and I got sucked into like a marathon of some Japanese I bet. soap opera and probably they were like you know they're episodes that are this long and it was probably from like the eighties or something. So they shot on video. Or? Oh yeah, like 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 video and like super cheap looking production value, but like I probably watched like three hours of this, you know, and it was yeah. pretty gripping, but it all kind of sounds and feels like that. Yeah. And then of course there's Misato's theme. And again, all this, all Shiro Sagisu, who is the composer all for of all of it. Yeah. Wow. So just the, the sheer variety, it, it, it's fa- I was listening to it. I got my old soundtracks out. <laughs> I was listen, listening to it all the way over here and just, yeah, all, all that. But we've, we have Misato's theme, of course, mm-hmm. which we've heard. My favorite is Ray's theme which is which one's hers it's it's like a melancholy like solo piano like really soft yeah and then there's there's a version later on that's gonna have like the full orchestra blaring it and it's but it's like the most haunting and lonely sounding thing Mm -hmm. it's maybe it's one of my favorite pieces of music from the show and and it really evokes Ray for me in a big way. And that, that was the one more than any of them when I first saw the show that I would just think about out of context and get really emotionally worked up. Um, and I definitely just the other night listened to the, it's, it's called Ray three is, is the bombastic version and, uh, sums up the whole show for me. I'm trying to decide, sorry, this is unrelated to anything, but, it looks like they altered the DHL shipping logo to be a. a I don't know if it's it's because it, there's a part where where when she moves when Oscar's the thing, moved into we see a, the apartment. A, a shipping truck like driving away from the apartment, and then when he goes in, there's all these boxes. DHU and it's DHU, but it looks exactly like the oh, DHL that's logo. that's definitely a thing. If you watch Cowboy Bebop, has like Peepu, but it's the Pepsi logo. Mm. And my favorite is there's a Wick Donalds in the Cowboy Bebop oh, movie, <laughs> just going into. Uh, the subway and you can see the big w so uh, have we covered everything in this episode because there's some other stuff we could talk about related to evangelion but not necessarily related to this episode um i think we can we can do that we got we we got about 20 more minutes we can do it the most probably is there anything else we want to say about about this one uh, i mean other than uh, we're talking about ray that when asuka's like trying to get shinji to like you know match her speed mm-hmm. and refusing to sort of uh, she's making it more difficult than it needs to be. Misato has Ray step in, and Ray is able to work with Shinji like that. Yeah, and it's a cool example of Misato's like clever leadership in that she mm-hmm. she knows that you know Ray Ray can do this, but she also knows that it's more important for Asuka. Asuka may be like super talented and super smart and like she she might be able to be the sort of rock star one of them but the important le- learning thing here is is that she learned how to be a member of a team right with somebody that she doesn't think and that she should do that with and that unit zero is also probably not fixed yet no, unit zero sucks so <laughs> poor unit zero is <laughs> the worst of the evangelion uh, all the time i mean i'm not gonna argue with you but i have affection for it because of that yeah no no absolutely absolutely <laughs> um but yeah we um but yes, that that is important. That that it's it's very easy for Ray to do it, but that she's making awesome. And it's it. just cool that you see you see. I guess that's so. There's so there's there's a lot of like Masato, like the realities of Masato's job become a, a, a mm-hmm. bit of an undercurrent in this one. And so things like that, where like there's no point where she's like explaining to anybody like this is my plan. I'm gonna make. But you just can tell with the writing in the in the performance and stuff that like oh like she's really smart and this is all part of an intentional thing and then you also see this this stuff where like after the mission goes bad the, the first paperwork. time all the paperwork yeah, and the idea of complaints do. and and that you know and that her her job is you know not a guaranteed thing like she's under a lot of pressure <laughs> was it she say if the commander was here you'd be fired yeah yeah but kaji saves the day that's something we didn't talk about is that there this whole plan is kind of originates with kaji yeah what well, it, 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 I guess the music and everything, because maybe that yeah he like had an idea and put it on a disc and they gave yeah because Ritsuko gives it the disc and and at first Misato's like oh thanks you you're really you know pulling my mm-hmm. ass out of the fire it's like oh it's not from me it's from it says to my honey on it mm-hmm. and instead of for once instead of being angry Misato like actually has a very pleasant smile and seems genuinely touched by that yeah she's clearly got you know a lot going on. Uh, internally with her feelings about Kaji and I'm sure we're going to explore more of that as we go. Mm-hmm. But We didn't talk about class rep 
Hikari, Hiroki. Yeah, she's a character that's popped up a couple times and is in the story a little bit more. She's like Asuka's Toji and Kensuke. Yeah. You know, she's just the other student who's friends with Asuka now. And she's holding Pen Pen like a like a pet in one of the scenes. Like he's sitting in her lap and she's like, you know, like just looking into his eyes and pin pin also just in a lot of the shots in this, which I really enjoy. And when there's sort of silver linings playbook training montage thing, pin pins frequently there sort of like Snoopy, I guess really in yep, your, in your, your comparison, he's sort of just mimicking their he's movements. Very Snoopy in his attitude towards yeah. Shinji as well. See now like I really eating out of his bowl. His I think dog bowl. I think you're onto something. Oh. I I want to find out if if Anna is like a peanuts fan. Uh, Megumi Hayashibara, who is the voice actress for Ray, is I it was her birthday the other day, and I, I was saw looking that. up stuff on her, and uh, some little bio on her said that she loves dogs, especially Snoopy. That's interesting. Well then, well then that starts to answer the question of is is Snoopy popular in Japan? I think. Oh I, yeah, I think Snoopy is. I don't yeah. know about peanuts, but. Snoopy kind of transcends. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the character could just be recognizable and not necessarily like people read the comics or watch the cartoons or something, but mm-hmm. I, I, I want to know the answer to that. Or to be, that's a whole other thing. I'm fascinated by Charlie Brown as a cultural figure of just how depressing he is. Like, it's, the it's idea really that this is the character and his defining characteristic is that he fails at everything and everybody's mean to him all the time. Like, I don't know. I remember seeing the one where he loses the spelling bee and being just confounded by the mm-hmm. fact that narrative could do that by have the build at this climax and he loses. It is a really weird, yeah, it's a weird, unique uh, cultural artifact for sure. Uh, before we leave Pen Pen, I want to, that it is kind of established here that Pen Pen uses the toilet. Like he needs to use the bathroom. Oh yeah, there's a shot where they're both waiting for the bathroom and like holding their crotches. We, saw, like... we saw him reading a newspaper earlier. We know mm-hmm. he can open cans of beer. Now we know that he uses the, the human restroom. It's, it's, Shinji's not wearing the shirt from um, Big Trouble in Little China in that scene, is he? It looks a lot like it. I don't it, think it's, it's exactly I, it. Maybe it's like a reference. But I, that I, when I was in Japan, I saw that particular shirt for sale, the tank top with, mm. the, with the little red did sun. You, and the, did you buy it? I would not wear a tank top, so I didn't. I, you know, I can't really. I bought others. I have the t-shirt that has the looks like the front is a plug suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's... More we should talk about. I don't know if we want to bring this up now, but I, I did start watching Evangelion with oh my yeah we children. Should... Okay, yeah. Sorry, I started cutting. So say say that more clearly for everyone because I fucked up there. Yeah, I started. This is I struggled a lot with it, but I started watching Evangelion with my kids. And how old are your kids? My kids are six and ten, about to be eleven. And they're both boys. And they're both boys. And if you haven't seen the rest of the show. You might be like, "What's yeah? What's the big yeah, deal?" Yeah, if you're actually listening to this in sequence with watching it, you'll be like, "Yeah, you sound like you're the cool if dad." If you've seen the show before, <laughs> and you know where these characters go, and sort of w- the questions that are raised, and the tone, and the just the the feeling, you're going to be left with by the time you're done with this. You may have severe issues with me <laughs> as, as a human being, a parent, for allowing this. I just. I don't know. There's an Evangelion phone game uh, called Evangelion Dawn. Which I haven't played yet, but I have on my phone and I want to. Uh, yeah, I'm curious what you'll think about it. It's, you know, it's like any phone game where you can get sort of addicted to. But, you know, you, you unlock different Avas. It's based on the, the new theatrical version, a.k.a. Rebuild mm. movies. So it's got that stuff, but it has, you know, all these different Avas and stuff. And they would see me playing it and they'd be interested. Recently, I think I said, watched Cowboy Bebop with them. Mm-hmm. So getting into anime, and this is obviously my favorite thing. I guess we haven't talked about this before, but my oldest son, his middle name is Shinji. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for when that was going to come up. Well, I mean, and I don't know, you know, cultural appropriation, and I'm sure that there are some people that would be like, "Mm, that's not a cool thing to do. I didn't think about it at the time. I just thought that this was a, a piece of literature that meant a great deal to me. Well, then, 11 years ago, cultural appropriation wasn't really on the docket yes. of... And I, you know, I had a Japanese teacher and I talked to her about it and she actually gave me... Because uh, with Japanese, if you don't know a whole lot about Japanese, the way the written language works is that there are kanji. There are mm-hmm. characters that mean something, but they can also be read 
exclusively phonetically. So you're mm-hmm. just looking at the way it sounds. So when you hear people in Japanese movies and you know anime, they'll talk about how to spell their name. It'll be, oh, the character for Moon and the character for blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And that goes together and that makes the name. Um, so... I talked to her and he actually has like real kanji to spell his name. And, you know, she was excited by the idea and you know, thought it was cool. So, you know, whatever. No, that is cool. Um, I didn't know. The so, yeah, he's, the he's got the, the, the warrior and truth. Are, nice. Yeah. Is it the same as the one for Shinji, the character in the show? I doubt it. I didn't even look. She gave me sort of a list of like, here's how, here are the different well, ones your you homework. can use. Yeah. You go do your, go back to your studies and tell me next <laughs> week what Shinji's name in the show. For sure. But so yeah, so 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 it's been something that's been around them all of their lives. Like there's a big end of Evangelion poster up in the room. I have you know these toys that have been out. They, mm-hmm. they like they know this is a thing that I, that I love. And I and know, so far you've shared most of the things you love with them. I mean it's you've you've had a pretty good and I've been strategic about this. trying not to force it, but just sort of. I'll just leave this here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like Harry Potter. We, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but that was the big tricky one of like, like I don't want to force it. And and we tried before, and it seemed like it wasn't taking. So it's like, all right, you know, bail out. Like, let them find it if they want to find it, and not mm-hmm. and make it a thing. But yeah, you, you know, they they the oldest ones, really, you know, into Godzilla and Marvel movies. I mean, everyone's into Marvel movies, but yeah, you know, the they they both went through big Batman phases. So yeah, it's been so it was really a struggle when they started to be interested in the, starting with the phone game because my oldest they also uh, he really loves Pacific Rim. Yeah, um, I was a big fan of that, and this is obviously very similar to that in certain ways, and then very different in others. But when yes. when your ten year old is coming to you and is like, "Oh, this," you know, asking questions about it, and like, you know, eventually the six year old was like, "This should be our new Cowboy Bebop. Like, we mm-hmm. should watch this like we watched Cowboy Bebop." And so it's <laughs> like having to be like, "No, we can't do that." can't do that but then just they kept bringing it up and i was like i don't know when you were texting me the whole time at least yeah. at least the updates because you you know because we're already doing this so <laughs> it's all right. in both of our minds and you're like and in you know not to make you i don't want to make it sound like you're like a weak parent or anything because you weren't really asking my opinion you were kind of just thinking out loud to somebody yes. who at least would understand and be sympathetic to it because I, I i know your family and i you know uh I'm I'm frequently impressed with the things that that your your kids like and and well, there's scaredy cats is the thing. I write horror movies for a living with you, mm-hmm. and they this have not seen lot, yeah. any of my movies, and they would not be caught dead seeing any of my movies. But he's seen all the alien movies and yeah, the predator so movies, funny. so he, it's not the violence, it's the spookiness. Yeah, it's not even it's not even suspense. It's the specifics of like the iconography of horror movies of like ghosts and like the right. things that 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 it's weird there's like the connotation the, the idea, idea that it's that supposed it's to be spooky or scary and yeah. jump scares it doesn't like jump scares and so that you know evangelion is not a horror show at all it's not spooky but you you know you you've seen hints and yeah th- it's, th- it's, there's, there's very disturbing stuff in it and yeah. and it, that's you're going to you know particularly and you know once we start getting into you know end of evangelion and stuff so, I mean, I'm going to feel it out, and I don't want to spoil anything. I watched with them up to um, the, the, the two-part raid thing. We just watched the decisive battle in Tokyo. So they just destroyed Romiel, the mm-hmm. angel. And, yeah, I guess this is just to say that I'm going to sort of, I guess, keep everybody up to date on how that goes. Because there's your perspective and there's my perspective. Yeah. I'd like at some point to get some other people on the show. We have a we have a friend that mm-hmm. is a mutual friend that has recently moved to the area who has watched the show in the past and is not a dude. Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah. is in fact a woman. Shocking. And I would be very curious to hear what she would have to say. Um, I would love to get Kevin Phillips on here as yeah. soon as we can. Absolutely. You know, we don't we don't have a whole lot of friends who've seen the show. No, and which love is, the which show. Is why. I mean, it's one of those things too, where maybe like you know, again, depending on how long we continue doing this, um, maybe by the time the show's actually out on Netflix and everyone can see it, like maybe then we do get more guests. Because I do, th- I think that probably the way to do guests in this instance would be to just do get like featured episodes that are just talking to somebody and like maybe we sure. watch a little bit with them or whatever but like i think like 
rather than bringing them on to do like like a normal a thing like episode. this it's like a special episode where we talk to somebody and so whether yeah. that's other we'll f- other filmmakers we'll or other that out but yeah because we know plenty of people that we could have come on the show that would be interesting but i just you know have they <laughs> they might not be big evangelion fans yet mm-hmm. but this is just another perspective of like okay well what are my kids thinking and feeling and how are they responding to it and well, this do, you, do you have any particularly good uh anecdotes of that like responses they've had or, or cute darndest things they've said i'm trying to think i mean the big thing right now is the fact that one of the you know the the 10 year old can read subtitles and he does read like he's watched a lot of dragon ball super with the subtitles on on Crunchyroll because that's that's the only language mm-hmm. we watched cowboy bebop dubbed which is one of the better dubs. We said that before, I think, on the show. I think, yeah, I think it is, of the ones that I've been ex- exposed to. And, th- and it's also a show that just lends itself to that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we had a big, long rant about subs versus dubs on another previous episode, but we we tried to do the, <laughs> we tried to do the dub, and uh, I couldn't do it. We did one episode, and I was like, I can't. I can't. And it's mostly just, you know, all due respect to Spike Spencer, but just it's Shinji in particular, who who is a difficult character anyway. Yeah. But I did hit upon, I think, uh, probably a big reason why a lot of people in the West have struggled to connect this character is the fact that you have an adult man having to do all the gasping and screaming and, mm-hmm. you know, and it just becomes either comical or very annoying to have... Just, ah! Well, I, it's weird because, like... I well, wanna... I'm not going to pilot that thing! I mean, it's we we talked about Charlie Brown, and like, wasn't that one of the big things? Was that Charlie didn't they actually the actual have, children? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's strange because it like the well, see, I love the I don't the Full Metal Alchemist dub. I th- I think the voice of um, Alphonse, the the brother, the baby brother, well, not baby, but the little brother mm-hmm. who's in the giant suit of armor. I think that voice is really good and really conveys the character because it sounds very young. It sounds like a tiny little kid inside this giant suit of armor and it's really effective is it an adult in real life i don't think so i mean it doesn't does not sound like the, it. i was gonna say the best that it's weird that charlie brown was this thing from like way long ago that like that was considered i think innovative at the time and it's part of the reason why uh, those have stood the test of time i think but that like it wasn't until because i've never watched all full yeah, actual Alchemist. children it wasn't until uh my neighbor totoro i mean and it well by the way like all of the Miyazaki dubs are some of the better ones in general. He tends, yes. he tends to they tend to cast them better. I didn't in more love care. the but Princess Toto- Mononoke dub, but that's my least favorite one yeah. by far. But in in oh, Totoro, it actually is. I believe it's uh, the two the Fanning sisters yeah, that is, play yeah. the girls, and it's mm-hmm. in it's when they were closer to that age. Because yeah. I mean, like Elle Fanning was probably incredibly young at the time. I mean, I think they yeah. really are. And it's like when I remember watching that with my youngest sister when she was a kid. And actually, really enjoying it because it does it. It feels like real children, and I, I don't know why. I mean, other than just for the 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 pace we, we talked about before, like the pace at which the the actors have to work for this kind of thing. Like, I don't yeah. I don't know how much care is really put into it. And so, working with children, I mean, we've made movies with uh, under you know with children in them before, and you know the the child labor laws and all this sort of different stuff that protects them means that you you know. So there's probably a lot of like technical and sort of logistical reasons why. It became right. normal to have adults do children voices, but I do think that, in you know, who knows? I mean, like, the, the, one well, of the big controversy with the Netflix thing is that they are doing a new dub. They're doing. We, they're we're doing pretty sure dub. that's why it's delayed. And well, it's also worldwide, and, and that's what made me more comfortable with the idea of like they're not doing it till June. Is there's probably gonna they're doing a new dub. And it's dropping in like ninety one countries. Yeah, so they're worldwide. doing they're, they're, they're like simultaneously recording dubs for like however many languages. Probably. And they're just wanting to drop it all at the same. So while Netflix here in America sort of announced earlier that they were getting it, you know, just the idea that it's it's going to be global is like okay, now I get why we have mm-hmm. to kind of wait. But what all is all that to say that I I, yeah, I hadn't thought about it before, but now I'm kind of curious. Like, what are the odds that the new dub, like maybe they do get real young people to be the pilots? Yeah, I mean, and in have... which case, I'm definitely going to watch a couple episodes of the dub just to see what they, you know, what the what the hubbub is all about. Like, I want to I want to know what it's like, and I would be I would be very interested to hear an actual you know, young teenage actor douching. Yeah, something like, you know, the guy who does, you know, Finn on Adventure Time. Like, you know, like he's, he had a young sounding voice and that was a big part of the appeal of that show for me was just the the two lead performances with him and John DiMaggio. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, and just how authentic that sounded. So, I mean, and the weird thing is that in the Japanese dub, typically you have adult women doing a lot of adolescent male characters. And, 
it's just yeah it, it, for for every uh, for a number of reasons just the language barrier which kind of helps it not feel so silly because you're not understanding everything you're saying you're just getting the the tone of the performance it, and it's just much easier for me to buy a, a Japanese woman than this like adult man being this 14 year old mm-hmm. kid who's very vulnerable and makes a lot of gasps and screams and yeah. <laughs> stuff. And I just knew going deeper is like, I can't do it. So, so now it's become this thing where the 10 year old just reads the subtitles, but the six year old has to sit next to me and I have to kind of read the subtitles. So you're, you're like the, you're like that shitty boyfriend in the movie theater that's telling yeah. his girlfriend that, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> and it's just guys, it's gonna get so weird with, because eventually, you know, there's gonna be some weird lines, and I, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen, and I don't know how it's gonna go, and yeah, but, you're, you've you've opened a Pandora's box on this. You're gonna have a lot of interesting conversations with your sons, and I already have, and I I can talk about that later on, but I I was trying to explain, you know, it's trying to front load them of you know prepare them for the ending. Uh, and oh, should we talk about that now, or should we wait? For we later? can wait. Yeah. <laughs> we well, can okay. Wait. Well, if you have like one more, because we should probably go in a second. So if you have, okay. if you if you have a closing anecdote or something like that uh, to say on that, uh, go for it. Um. Any anything? Do they have a favorite character or anything? Not, not yet. But we were just like at the Michaels looking for stuff for them to do over spring break and they got these bird houses and they were going to have these things called Kubricks, which are like kind of like Legos, like big mm-hmm, Legos, mm-hmm. like stylized chunky little figures of a lot of the Evangelion stuff that I, that I got back. And then I guess it's really tickled oh, by them those, yeah. because they're like super deformed and cute, but some of the creepier characters and more yes. uh, intense things are like sort of uh, done in that style. And so I bought a bunch of those and they, they want to use these, you know, as houses for, those figures and they want to paint them purple and green oh nice sort, sort of fighting over who gets to do purple and green it's like oh no you can do unit two you can do yeah. <laughs> orange. Like, but they also haven't seen unit two yet and i like guys you're gonna like unit two it's gonna be jumping on battleships yeah, yeah. and it's it's gonna be cool um so yeah not not too much to report yet other than they're they're engaged in the world and you know the characters and the the, the robots and i don't know maybe they'll lose interest and i'll dodge yeah. dodge a bullet yeah, kick it downfield for a couple of years maybe. i don't know but i just couldn't resist what you know when they when they come to me and say i want to watch it I, I, oh i knew you were gonna do it when you were texting me about it i was like cave. there's no way you can say no to this it's, it's, it's you more than anybody it's sort of irresistible to get that you know like a sort of vampiric desire to like <laughs> yes. experience other people's emotions and, yes. and it's it's like especially and it's and, and they want to do it with you so that's adorable you know i think yeah so we'll we'll check in on that periodically without uh you know, pressing too deeply into your personal life or saying anything that would, you know, embarrass them in the future or something like that. But I'm fascinated to hear how that goes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but we also have to hurry up and start recording more of these because they're going to want to tear through them. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, we're going to have to keep up because I, like I texted you, I don't want my first watch of the show in over a decade to be me having no. to whisper, read the subtitles to a six year old. No, that's very funny. And in a, in a different, I experience. can also censor. That's the nice thing is, Oh I just, yeah. I can just choose not to read. No, <laughs> so that's really, yeah, actually that helps you out. Definitely. So. But all right guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, you know, come back for episode, episode 10? 10. Oh my gosh. We're really, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. In there, uh, Magma Diver. Eh, Magma Diver is okay. You got You got to see it. There's, you know, they yeah. all have something. I like that one. I think, but okay. Right. Thanks, guys. Uh, see you next time.